Today we are going to remember the death of Jesus for sin, the death of Jesus for sinners. Uh, Next week on Easter, we're going to celebrate his resurrection from the dead, but today we're going to remember the death of our Savior, Jesus. One of the ways today that we will remember the death of Christ is in the manner that he told us to, and that is in the observance of the Lord's Supper. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says, and for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim, actually means you preach the Lord's death until he comes. In the gospel accounts, Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. And so today on this occasion, we're gonna remember the death of our Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm gonna ask if you would, if you'd stand with me for a word of prayer. Our message today is entitled, This Death, This Death. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and we praise you. We exalt you. We lift high the name of Jesus, the darling of heaven, crucified. If we can imagine that, Lord, we come and I pray as we enter into this time that we would set aside the cares and the pulls of the world, that we would turn our eyes to the truth of your word, the truth of you. And I pray, Lord, as we study and reflect upon your death, that we would be encouraged, that we would be instructed. Lord, I pray for some that will hear today in this room and other ways as well, other means as well. I pray that in the hearing of a sacrificial death for sinners and in the grace of God that it's applied to sinners by faith and in a resurrected Savior, that in this event, in this hour, they would turn to you, trusting you in faith and that in your own word, they would be saved, Lord. Lord, I I thank you today. I worship you today. As we head into this week of Easter, I pray that we're mindful of our great gospel, of our great Savior, the Lamb of that gospel. Lord, I pray that in this hour and this time that you would work, that you would move, that you would be known and glorified. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now you might ask today, or you might be thinking, why so much focus on the death of Jesus? And I think sometimes that may pop into our mind. Why so much focus on the death of Jesus? Why why do that? Why not remember that he is alive? Why not remember and celebrate today he is risen from the dead? That is so much more hopeful. That is so much more joyous, isn't it? Well, the reality is, the terrible sacrificial death of Jesus is part of the gospel. In fact, there is no gospel apart from the terrible sacrificial death of Jesus. Friends, I want to tell you today, all of the things being proclaimed, if you have heard a message of Jesus that does not include his death, you have not heard the good news. If you've heard a message of Jesus, a version of Jesus that doesn't include his sacrificial death for sinners, you have not heard the biblical gospel. And so today, faithful to the fullness of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we remember his death. That's what this morning is about. We remember his death. Now, as we do, I want us to be Certain, and listen, I want us to be absolutely certain 
about some truths about Jesus' death. Sometimes we become numb to the fact Jesus died. Our littlest kids, they'll say Jesus died on the cross. Well, today as we remember his death, I want us today here in the hearing of this message to be absolutely certain of some truths about Jesus' death. Now, the first truth is this death is the price of sin. And in God's grace, it is the payment for sin. Now, that's pretty deep. I want you to hear that again. This death is the price of sin. And in God's grace, it is the payment for sin. Be sure today this isn't just any death. This isn't just any political execution that has been carried out. No, the Bible says the result of sin is death. The Bible goes on to say, and the penalty for sin is death. Romans 3.23, for the wages of sin is death. Now what that means is what is earned by having sinned is death. In the Old Testament, the sacrificial system was pointing to this. It was a tutor in this understanding. And so in that system, without the shedding of blood, without death, there is no remission of sin. And to show this, an animal was sacrificed because of a person's sin. Well, understand this morning, this death, the death of Jesus is the price of sin. And in God's grace, it is the payment for sin. Jesus comes and he dies on the cross and it is the payment for sin. He never sinned. He goes to the cross and in his perfection, he pays for sin. It is the payment for sin. There's a song that says, and Jesus paid it all. That is the truth. In the cross, Jesus paid it all. This death in God's grace is the payment for sin. The second thing I want you to be sure of, certain of, is this. This death, the death of Christ on Calvary, the death of Jesus on the cross, this death was your death. It is the payment for your sin. Folks, I want you to be sure today Jesus never sinned. He does not pay, die to pay his debt. He didn't have a debt. But you and I, we do. We sinned. We rebelled against God. And in doing so, we earned death. In our sin, we secured death. It is our sentence. Because we sinned, death is our penalty. Death is our faith. Our fate, death is required of us. And on the cross of Calvary, Jesus comes and he dies our death. On the cross of Calvary, he pays our ransom and he endures and he takes our penalty. That is the transaction of the cross. That is what happens on the cross. Mark chapter 10 verse 45 says, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. To give his life a ransom for many. First John chapter two, verse two, God's word says, 
and he himself, speaking of Jesus, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but for those of the whole world. Today, this death that we remember, it was our death. It is the result of and the payment for our sin. Folks, I want you to hear me and I want you to be sure of this. The cross is not some generic thing. The, the cross is not some impersonal thing. It is our death that Jesus died. It is your death that Jesus died. It is your payment that is being made. Listen to me. The cross is your payment being made. When Jesus is on the cross, when he's stretched out and nailed to that cross, as he suffers on that cross, as he struggles to breathe, the cross is your payment being made. Do you hear that? Do you understand that? When we remember this death, this death, the cross, is your payment being made. This death is the payment for sin. This death is your death. It is your payment. And then listen. Oh, hear this this morning. Listen to this. This death is the measure of God's love for you. Again, it's not impersonal. It's not some generic thing. Are you listening? This death, the death of Calvary, is the measure of God's love for you. This death, the death of the cross, it is the communication of, it is the expression of, it is the exhibit of, it is the declaration of, it is the demonstration of God's love for you. Friend, hear me today. Be sure of this. Listen to me. God loves you. God loves you. Are you listening? God loves you. So radically, so wildly, immeasurably, whoever you are today, wherever you are today, whatever you've done, God loves you. And we hear that and you say, well, how much does he love me? How? How can he even love me? Does he know me? God loves you. He answers himself. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Listen, that's the gospel of good news. That is the good news for sinners. God demonstrates his own love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Folks, the cross is the demonstration of God's love. Listen to me. It is not ambiguous it is not unclear. It is not hidden for, from sight. The cross, God puts on display his love. Do you understand that? You want to know how much God loves you? Look at the cross of Calvary. For God so loved the world he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. In this death we see the Savior's love. What love it is. What love it is. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? 
For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of the parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we would look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him and by his scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before his shearers. So he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he is taken away. And as of this generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due. His grave was assigned with wicked men, yet he was rich with a rich man in his death because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit found in his mouth. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring, he will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and it will be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great and he will divide the booty with the strong because he poured out himself to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. Pilate then took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and put a purple robe on him. And they began to come up to him and say, Hail, King of the Jews, and to give him slaps in the face. Pilate came out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you so that you may know I find no guilt in him. Jesus then came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. So when the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out saying, Crucify, crucify. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by that law he ought to die, because he made himself out to be the Son of God. Therefore when Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. And he entered into the praetorium again and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, you do not speak to me. Do you not know I have authority to release you and I have authority to crucify you? Jesus answered, you would have no authority over me unless it had been given to you from above. For this reason, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. As a result of this, Pilate made efforts to release him. But the Jews cried out saying, If you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Everyone who makes himself out to be a king opposes Caesar. Therefore, when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat and placed a place called the pavement and 
Hebrew Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation for the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, Behold your king! So they cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So they handed him over to be crucified. They took Jesus, therefore, and he went out bearing his own cross to the place of a skull, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two other men, one on either side, and Jesus in between. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It was written, Jesus the Nazarene, the king of the Jews. Therefore, many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place was where Jesus was crucified was near the city. It was written in Hebrew, Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews were saying to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his outer garments and made four parts, a part to every soldier, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, to decide whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture. They divided my outer garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clophus, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus then saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. From that hour, the disciple took her into his own household. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished, to fulfill the scripture, said, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge full of sour wine upon a branch of hyssop and brought it to his mouth. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Then the Jews, because it was the day of preparation, so that the body would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day, asked Pilate that their legs might be broken. And that the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first man and the other who was crucified with him. But coming to Jesus, when they saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. And he who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth, so that you also may believe. For these things came to pass to fulfill Scripture. Not a bone of him shall be broken. And again another Scripture says, And they shall look on him of who they have pierced. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but a secret one for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate granted permission. So he came and took away his body. Nicodemus, who had first come to him by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds weight. So they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen wrappings with spices, as is the burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and the garden a new tomb in which no one had been yet laid. Therefore, because of the Jewish day of preparation, 
Since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. This death is the payment for sin. This death is your death. It is your payment. This death is the demonstration of God's love. I want to go back and read verse 35 one more time. John is writing, John is recording, and he says this in verse 35. And he who has seen has testified, speaking of himself, and his testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth so that you also may believe. John writes in verse 35 as an eyewitness of the death of Jesus. And he says here, the reason that he writes is that so you also may believe. Again, it is personal. Friends, I want you to know today the message of the gospel is this. God loves you. Because God loves you, Jesus died for you as the payment for your sin. In him it is finished. In him it is satisfied in the cross of Calvary. He was placed in a tomb, a new tomb the Bible says. And three days later, we will celebrate next week, he comes out as the risen Savior. John says he writes these things. He tells us of this death that you also may believe. On this day, on this Lord's day, if you have never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and I'm not saying you had not been in church, and I'm not saying you haven't heard this gospel but if you have never trusted Jesus as your Savior, trust Him today. He'll save you today. He'll forgive you today. There is hope in Jesus today. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come and we are in awe. We come and we can't even imagine the Prince of Glory, the King of Kings, our Savior Jesus as he humbles himself to the point of death, but not just any death, death on a cross. And as Lord, as we hear these words, we are in awe. Lord, we're so thankful. We praise the name of our Savior, Jesus. Lord, I pray the fruit of this day, the fruit of this week, the fruit of this focus, that folks would hear of a Savior, that they would trust in a Savior. Lord, I, I pray that anything that would impede that would be removed. I pray, Lord, in, the, in, in your plan, in the hearing of the gospel, that they also may believe. Lord, I pray for us as believers today as we hear this, that we are renewed, that our focus is drawn back to you and that we lift up as never before the name of our Savior, Jesus. We praise you. We thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Those who are to serve, please come forward. It is the week of Easter. It is Palm Sunday. This week we are going to celebrate. We're going to remember our risen Savior. And my prayer is twofold this coming week and over the course of our Easter celebration. First is this, that many would find Jesus. I want to tell you that our, our hope of this week is that many would hear of and put their faith in Jesus. Time is growing short. My prayer is that many would find Jesus. My my prayer is twofold. The second thing is this, is that we will hold Jesus so high this week.
in what we do and what we speak and the services that we hold, that we would hold Jesus so high that he would be held up over the noise of this world, over the fear of our day, over the nonsense that we live in, and he would be held up so high that a lost and suffering world would see Jesus, that a church would be excited about our Savior Jesus, and that he would be greatly glorified. Today we're going to end this service with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I want to tell you the, the, the call of this service is this, believe. Believe. John says he writes this account, he testifies as an eyewitness that we would believe. The call of this service is that in the hearing of the grace of God, a Savior for sinners, that you would truly believe in Jesus Christ. I want to tell you the good news again of the gospel is this. We are sinners, all of us. In our sin, we've earned a punishment. You have and I have. God sees us in our helplessness, sees us in that state. And in the, in the most unimaginable demonstration of love, he sends his only begotten son. He comes to earth. He lives a life where he never sins. Had he sinned, he would have had to pay his own penalty, his own price. He never sinned. And because he doesn't sin, he's able to offer himself in your place and in my place. That is the transaction of the cross. He goes in my stead and he dies my death, paying my penalty for my sin on the cross of Calvary. Yours as well. He dies paying for sin. They take him off the cross. They put him in a borrowed tomb. Three days later, praise the Lord, he walks out of that tomb. He is alive. He stands as the risen lamb, the hope of sinners. I want to tell you the good news of the gospel is this. Whoever you are today, if you will trust in that Savior, he'll save you today. He'll forgive you today. There is hope in Jesus. Whoever you are, the good news of our gospel today. Trust Jesus today. If you've never trusted him, trust him today. In just a moment, we're going to have a chance to respond. And if God is speaking to you, if he's been speaking to you, maybe you've heard this a million times, maybe today's the first time that you truly understand. I claim Jesus as my hope, my Savior for my sin. I want to encourage you to come and meet me here at the front, and let's tell the church your decision in celebration. Maybe you need more information. You come as well, and let's settle this today. Don't leave here today without the peace that is offered in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here and you've made that decision, but you've never fought in believer's baptism. The Bible, the New Testament model, it's always by immersion. It's always after the point that you're saved. It has no part of your salvation. It's a demonstration testifying to what we believe of Jesus. Maybe you would come and say, you know what, I, I want the world to see my testimony. I want the world to see what I believe has happened to me and in me and through me in the finished work of Jesus Christ. You come, we'll set a, a day of, of celebration, a day for your baptism. Maybe you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it and you believe God has led you here. And you come at this time, and together we'll unite. We'll uphold his truth, his good news, for his glory until he comes again. Maybe you want to come on this Palm Sunday. And maybe you want to pray here at an altar. Maybe you want to come and say, Lord, use me to hold up your name. Maybe you want to come and just thank him, praise him for the demonstration of his love shown to us in his death. I'm going to ask in this time of invitation that no one would stir about or head for an exit. It's truly the most important thing that we will do today. But you pray for those that are making decisions. If God has spoken to you, as we stand to sing, you step out and you come on. I'll meet you here. You come on, I'll meet you.